Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. series following Jesus and all of life. As, as you know, we've been on this for, for quite a while, but uh, over this next while, what we're particularly looking at is our, the practices that we see in the life of Christ. We're asking ourselves, how can we as a people try to, to live these out, um, both together here in church, but in our individual lives, how we do that? And, uh, and it was just to say, just at the outset as well, there's a few people have been asking about this, um, asking about it again. I had a couple of phone calls over the last few weeks about it around the whole area of membership. And if you remember it back in September when we were doing Vision Sunday, um, we, we talked at that stage that one of the things which we were readdressing through this was our whole idea of membership. Um, it's, it's very easy to be a member of something. Um, you might not believe it, but I'm actually a member of a gym. And, uh, and I have been paying membership and haven't been at it for about the last three months. And, uh, and so it's really easy to be a member of something. Um, so yeah, this is the sort of things you would use. I don't use them at all really now. Um, and, and so what we're, what we're recognizing is that the last thing God is calling us to do is to be a member of something. What we said back in September in Vision Sunday is that God is calling us to covenant. God is calling us to this deep commitment where we're saying, God, we're all in with us, that we would be a covenant people. And so what we're saying is that come January, the 5th of January, it's a Sunday afternoon, what we're doing with this as we go through this series, we're calling everyone, regardless of whether you've formally done uh, our Believe in a Belong course before and you've been um, brought on as a member, we're saying for everyone, come that point, we're asking, can we as a people commit ourselves to, to follow out these practices of Jesus? We want to raise the, ba- the bar almost that it goes from being a member to being a, a covenant community together. And so we're asking, can we hold each other accountable to do this? We're going to be, hopefully at the end, uh, be able to leave space for some accountability and today where we go to as well. Um, but how, how can we covenant and commit together to follow um, these things out? Phil last week was teaching on our next practice, generosity and hospitality. Um, obviously looking about the idea that God is a generous God. You know that well-known verse, and we'll finish with it again today, John 3:16. for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, God is a generous God. But yet the two weeks before, and we were looking really heavily about we are his image bearers, those who are made in his image. If we are the image bearers of God, then this should be something that we reflect in our lives as well. We should be a, a generous people. And today I'm going to take it a step further, and we're going to look at the second element of this practice and look at hospitality. Um, and I know that the two of them are quite closely linked. And I know that that word hospitality can mean lots of different things to different people. There are many people, some even in the room today, and you know yourself, you always would say there's such and such as a real gift of hospitality. Some people who are really great even at opening their home and welcoming people. Um, but hospitality can mean lots of different things um, to different people. Here's the dictionary definition of hospitality, the friendly and generous reception and entertainment of guests, visitors, or strangers. It's, it's mainly focused around f- the idea of food and entertainment. This seems to be in many of our minds. I'm going to be spending a little bit of time at the start. We're going to look at some of the biblical understanding about hospitality, particularly as we look in the culture of the Old Testament and stepping into the New Testament. We're going to take about the first five, ten minutes to do that. 
But in today's culture and society, hospitality means something completely different. It almost seems to what it was in biblical times. So, for example, you can even now get a degree in hospitality, right? So, um, this is what people are going and studying at university because hospitality as an industry and an area and a sector is a really big deal now. So, uh, I I looked up on Wikipedia, and this is what apparently Wikipedia says the hospitality industry includes. It's a broad category of fields within the service industry that includes lodging, food and drink service, event planning, theme parks, transportation, cruise line, traveling, and additional fields within the tourism industry. And it seems to be loads of businesses. Many of you are businessmen here in the room, but loads of businesses and organizations, they just pump loads of money into the whole area around hospitality. It's one of the areas um, that is particularly heavily invested in. But with, with all of this, supposed to say all that with the, the grandness and the scale up almost in our cultural understanding of what hospitality is about, when we're talking about the biblical practice of hospitality, our understanding culturally today has almost made it inaccessible to some people. Some people think that they can't live up to a certain standard to be able to practice hospitality. And so today we want to we wanna almost teach into that to see that this is something that is for all of us in the room. Our, our results in the questionnaires, when we ask this question, how often would you open up your home to welcome others? Uh, I think it was around about 12% said daily. There was around 32% that said weekly, 33% said quarterly. There was some that said, or sorry, some that said monthly, some that said quarterly as well. And then there were some that said that they never opened their homes, they never feel that they would open their homes to people. The next question we asked as well was this, so it was just a, a statement we were saying, I feel equipped to express generosity and hospitality to people I don't know. Quite a few people strongly agreed and agreed with that, but again, there were some that were feeling somewhat, some that were disagreeing, and some that were strongly disagreeing. Again, part of the big reason why so many people might feel that they cannot possibly do this, or they feel that they're not equipped to be able to do it, is because it's become something bigger in our minds. Hospitality gets so easily confused, even with the idea of entertainment. Entertainment where people get out the fancy china, and they, they put on the big, the big spread of the fancy food. And it's almost like that people think that this is the bar that must be hit every single time we talk about being hospitable and welcoming people into our home. Because here's the reality. We live in a culture that is driven by perfectionism, don't we? <laughs> Many people feel that if it isn't perfect, it's pointless. It's, it's what's driven even by our social media. You even look at that with the likes of Facebook or your Instagram or, or things like this. If it isn't perfect, you shouldn't portray it. You don't put a a picture up unless it's perfect, unless it's got some cool filters or different things that are going on with it. It's what many people now feel even about opening their homes, that it has to be perfect before you allow people in. This is where certain levels of this have driven to. And what we want to do then, just the outset, is say, right, well, what is the Bible actually teaching us? Because hopefully this will make it more accessible for many people in the room. And, and you know what, as we go through this, many of you will recognize you're actually doing it quite well, which we wanted to say, well done, and keep doing it. But we want to just recognize and just ask at the end, how do we do this more? How do we be more hospitable as the church together when we meet here on Sundays or at different times? But how do we all try to live into this more as Christ would seek to do it in our lives? We're going to mainly focus today, if you have your Bibles, Romans chapter 12. Um, we're in verses 9 to 21. Again, they'll be in the screens, but we'll um, jump back and forward a couple of verses in Romans chapter 12 today. Um, so here it is on the screen. Let's just read this together. Let love be genuine. 
a poor what is evil. Just to say, by the way, this, in this section in Romans 12, Paul is given some directions for Christian living and Christian lifestyle. So to the church in Rome, this section here, and you'll see some of your Bible headings will say like rules for Christian living or guidelines for Christian living. So here's what it says. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Listen, if you took this passage alone and you read it every day and you tried to live this out every day, oh my goodness, how much culture and society would change if we as the church lived this out. It would be great to actually take a teaching series even in this passage alone. We're going to just hone in on a couple of bits and pieces of it, but these are guidelines, as I said, for for Christian living that Paul has given. And as we read the story of the Bible and we look at this area of hospitality, one of the things, as I said at the outset, is that hospitality was, we see it through a biblical perspective and a biblical lens. It's almost like a coin. You know a coin has two sides to it. And when it comes to how we engage with hospitality, we engage with it in one of two ways. And this is what it is. You either are someone who is hosting someone or you're someone who is playing or adopting the role of, of a guest. Obviously, the person who is hosting is the person who is blessing, and the person who is assuming the role of a guest is the person who is being blessed in themselves. Hospitality in the Old Testament times, we're going to look specifically how God models this out for us, but hospitality in biblical times was much more than just having people around your home. It was, it was looking out for those who were in need. It was trying to look out for people who were outside of the community. It was helping widows. It was helping orphans. It was helping the poor. Here's some examples just um, of some of the different forms that hospitality took in the Bible just to un- give us a better understanding. So receiving travelers into a home for food, lodging, and protection. Permitting the alienated person to harvest the corners of one's field. So this was the children of Israel who were massively directed about this. You had to look out for people who were in need. Clothing the naked. Tithing food for the needy. Including the foreigner in religious celebrations. You see some of the, the references for this. And then significantly was the communal meal. This, the meal when you had someone around your table was of huge importance in biblical times. To share food with someone was to share your life with someone. It was a gesture of intimacy, created a bond of fellowship. And so this is why when Jesus, if you can imagine this, when the Pharisees, the religious people of Jesus' day, when they saw Jesus sharing a meal table with tax collectors and sinners, it was one of those mind-blowing moments for them. They were like, what on earth are you doing? 
This is one of the most intimate things you could possibly do to share a meal with someone. You are saying, I'm having fellowship with you. And this is what Jesus was doing. He was making himself available to it. In terms of that dynamic of hosts and guests, if you're thinking about the double side of the coin, here's how we see it play it out. So for example, in the Old Testament, God firstly steps into the role of host. And what God does is he is a host and he cares for the children of Israel who are almost like the guests and God cares for them. He feeds them. We read this as they go through the wilderness times and God provides for them. He clothes them. He feeds them. He takes care of their needs. But then God, as he continues to do that, directs the children of Israel to actually not just be the ones who always receive the blessing, but to turn it around and to bless others. And so he tells the children of Israel now to assume the other, the other posture and to look after people. And so some of the, the, the references that we've just read, these were the ways that they were directed to do it. Jesus, when he turns up in the New Testament, then Jesus then steps into this as well. And Jesus firstly assumes the role of a guest. We recognize this, that Jesus was someone who was of this world or came to this world, but was not of this world and almost was like a foreigner. He was amongst us. His citizenship was in heaven. And so we read this in John chapter one. He was in the world and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. He was almost like a stranger. He assumed the role of a guest. And as he went about his ministry, Jesus depended and received hospitality from many people. So we read this in Luke 9 and in Luke 10. As he went about his ministry, he depended on hospitality of other people. He went for dinner in people's homes, for example, with tax collectors, sinners, and Pharisees. There's some references for that. And he even equated himself, we'll make reference to this later, with needy people in Matthew 25. He said, you know that passage where he says, what you do unto the least of these, my brethren, you're doing it unto me. He equates himself with this. Jesus played the role and assumed the role of guest, but he was also assuming the role of host. And we see this, so here we're going to let me just keep rattling through this. He was guest, but he was host as well. So Jesus, he feeds the 5,000. He he feeds them. He, he gives food to them. This was, again, one of these intimate moments where they share a meal. It came from five loaves and two fish, but they share a meal together in this intimate uh, engagement. And we see it as well, actually, even what we've just celebrated today, as Jesus breaks bread in, in, the, in, the last, in the Lord's Supper, and he sits with the disciples in this intimate moment of sharing a meal, and he turns it around in this way of saying, remember me. And you know what? This is one of the things I just feel is really important. Even each time we come to break bread on a Sunday, this is why it's important why we give thanks to Jesus for what he has done through his life, but for his death and what it means for us. It's so important that at this time, actually, we remember, we remember the things that Jesus did in his life and the very act of hospitality and what he did in sharing a meal with his disciples. This is the sort of things that he wants us to be repeating and to be living out as followers of Christ. And Jesus, as he did it, as he broke bread with his disciples, he didn't just break bread, he washed their feet. There was these intimate moments where he served them and he blessed them uh, and, he, and he looked out for the needs of others. He told parables and stories about hospitality. You know the one about the great Samaritan. This was one of the, the most ultimate expressions of hospitality that Jesus tells. And this is an expression of the kingdom of heaven. And I say all of that race through all of that just simply to say this is why if Jesus, if this is what God has modeled out in the Old Testament and Jesus continues to model out in the New Testament, this is why Paul then says to the church in Philippi in Philippians chapter 2, have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being uh, born in the likeness of men. And it goes on to talk about how he humbled himself 
became obedient under the point of death. Before we go into where I just want to land us today, this is where I just wanted to say at the outset, it's so important in this posture of humility, when it comes to hospitality, this posture of humility is one of the ones that is so significant that we work out of and we operate it out of all the time. But the two sides of the coins, I just want to simply say this. Never, ever, for one moment, ever th um, think that you're above receiving hospitality from someone. People will, will want to maybe invite you into their home. Never feel that you're above going into someone else's home to receive a blessing of being in their home and being in their company. And in a similar way, never feel that you're above inviting someone into your home. We're going to look about, actually, this is part of the redemption for us as the people of God in comparison to what happens in our society today. But as we actually wel open the doors of our home and wel welcome people in, this is something that is completely countercultural. And it is something that we need to recognize that we must never feel that we're above. We make our lives accessible and open to other people. And the beautiful thing it's a while it paints it in the Old Testament with God and Jesus paints it in the New Testament. The story continues with us. And this is why when we're in Romans chapter 12, in this passage, all about rules for Christian living, buried right in the middle, in verse 13, this is what it says, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. The message version of verse 11 to 13 of Romans says this, don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled in the flame. Be alert servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Be inventive in hospitality. So we've just finished talking about creativity. It's almost like be creative in how you demonstrate hospitality. And we're going to look at different ways at the end to do that. And I'll leave a bit of a challenge practically for each of us at the end. And when we talk about this word hospitality in Romans, the Greek word for it is simply this. I don't know how to pronounce that. Uh, Philoxenia or something. Um, but it does what it means, showing friendship to strangers. I don't know about you, but it's really easy to, to open your doors to people you know, isn't it? Um, to invite your family or your friends to come in for dinner, to come around to your house. And, and one of the things that we need to, while the heart, hopefully, behind that is you, you want to be hospitable. We need to recognize that a lot of the time it's, it's being sociable. We, we, it's good to be able to socialize with your friends. But this word that's used for hospitality here in the book of Romans, it talks about this. It's showing friendship to strangers, people that you don't know. So if we go back to that, when Paul says it's be inventive in hospitality, he's actually saying this, be inventive in showing friendship to strangers. What are some of the ways that you can engage with people that you don't even know, but people who just need someone to actually step into their life in that way? The New Testament writings continue to lead us that part of how we step into the God story and live out our role in the God story is by showing this. It's this idea of sacrificial kindness, sacrificially being kind to people. But you know what? This is ultimately what it means for us, that with our homes, that while it's great that if you're someone who likes to have some people around your home, Ultimately, what God has blessed you with the home for is that it can be a blessing to other people. If we're still to be those who continue the story of God that has been from the beginning of time and the heart of God that has been from the beginning of time, then God still wants to engage with people who are in need. He wants to engage with the poor. He wants to engage with the hurting. 
He wants to engage with the vulnerable, and he wants to do it through you. He wants to do it through your family. He wants to do it through your home as you open up your life and you make yourself available. And so one of the things we need to recognize is that even with your homes, your homes are much more than just the place that you live. What God wants to be able to do is hopefully through your life that it could be almost a hospital for hurting people. It could be a hostel for those who are unwelcome. That there are people, you recognize this, don't you? There are people in the world, and there are people even in your own worlds at the moment, people that you see on a daily basis, meeting a daily basis that are hurting, carrying such deep hurt and wounds in their lives, people who are isolated, that are feeling maybe unwelcome, that have been kept in the margins of things by culture and society and by people. And yet this is the very reason, and this is a posture that we just want to just offer today, that this is why you would open your doors to be able to welcome people in. That your home, imagine this, as it comes under the anointing of God, and as you live your life out as a follower of Christ, your home could be a hospital for hurting people, a place where people could come and receive healing. It could be a hostel for those who are unwelcome, and for them to be able to come and feel the welcome of God. It's what we should be experiencing in here, but it's what people should be experiencing even in and through your life. But one of the things I felt even this morning as I was just finally putting a few things together, is that we need to be really clear with this, particularly when we go back to what I was saying at the start around how the scale of where hospitality has gone to and how people almost can feel a bit overwhelmed by, I can't live up to the standard, the expectations. You know, one of the things that I feel that's really important to say today, God is not looking for your perfection. God's just looking for your availability. God's not looking for your perfection. He's just looking for your availability. Hurt people aren't looking for your perfection. They're just looking for your availability. People who feel unwelcomed and have no friends and are feeling lonely and isolated, they're not looking for your perfection. They're just looking for your availability. And the question I want to leave at the very end of today is, are you willing to be available for God to use? <laughs> are you willing for your life to be made available for other people? I love this quote by Henry Nowen. He says this, he says, the highest form of hospitality is listening. Listening not to change people, but offering them a space where change can take place. The highest form of hospitality is listening. Listening not to change people, but offering them a space where change can take place. This is where we need to understand and see hospitality through a redemptive lens. Jesus said this. So in Matthew chapter 20, he says, but Jesus called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and listen to this, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Some of the translations actually talk about this that offered his life. And part of what it means for us as disciples of Christ is, is your life available? Is your life available to other people? Because if we're going to be those who are going to live for Jesus in this world, then what we need to recognize is that much of what we would pray for, much of what we want to see God step in to heal and to do and to change and to transform in our world, you know how God wants to ultimately do that is through his church. How God wants to outwork his healing and his restoration here on the earth is through his church. And so the question to ask is, is your life willing to be made available? Are you willing to open yourself? Because this is what Jesus said. He gave his life as a ransom for many. Are you willing that your life could be given 
for other people. That's why even in Romans 12, they were at Romans 12 starts this in verse 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice. And so Jesus, Jesus shows this. Jesus demonstrated it. Let me just say this, and then we're going to just look at a couple of examples to pray into. Jesus demonstrated that he was willing that his schedule could just be completely interrupted. And it seems to be we're, we're tight with our boundaries, with our, with our schedules. Like we've got so much we're trying to fit in on a daily basis. Sometimes if someone comes to ask you, do you know the way sometimes if you're, if you're out walking and uh, maybe you see someone and you say to them, how are you doing? And you're just kind of expecting yourself fine so you can just keep walking past each other. And they'll say, oh, well, I'm not doing the best. And you're freaking out thinking, well, I don't really have the time. I don't really have the time to chat to you about this. But listen, we'll catch up for coffee. <laughs> And this was the thing, Jesus was willing for his schedule to get interrupted. Do you, do you ever find that sometimes? Or is that just me, that sometimes you just, you're just, it's almost like one of those token gestures, like, well, how you doing? And you're almost not expecting the, maybe the honest answer sometimes in return of, actually, things aren't great. Now, don't, don't take that bad if I ask you after, how you doing? <laughs> all right. Um, but this, this is a challenge to all of us. Are we willing that our schedules could be interrupted? Jesus did it with Nicodemus as he's out and he's walking and he's doing ministry and Nicodemus calls down from a tree and he goes to his house for dinner. Blind Bartimaeus, you've got the, the woman at the well and lots of different ways. He was willing for his schedule to get interrupted but to make room for other people. This, the, the, this is the posture of, of hospitality for us that we need to assume and the church carried it on as well. We see this in, in Acts chapter 4. This is what it said. No one claimed that any of their own possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. And then down at the bottom, there was no needy people among them. They made their lives available. This was the church. They were carrying on the ministry of Jesus. And Paul, final verse, and then just some things practically to land. Paul says this as well to the church in Thessalonica. We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. And so... This is the challenge for us. Let's look practically for five minutes what it can mean. But would you be willing to say this to people? I want, to th I want you to understand the love of God and the way I'm going to, the way I would love you to experience that is by my own life being made, av made available to you. <laughs> I know that's it's hard. It's a hard question to answer truthfully. But yet this is the challenge for us as disciples of Christ. This is why Jesus said that discipleship came with a cost, isn't what he says. Then Jesus told the disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Pretty much just somewhere out in it all. Discipleship costs, and this is part of the cost for us is that our whole lives are made available. Paul says this, I can't remember the reference, I think it's in one of the books in Corinthians, he says, your bodies are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor the Lord your God with your body. Sometimes we think that that means that we don't do some big sins rather than actually what it means to honor God with some of the good things that we can do. And this is part of what it means to honor God with our lives, that we make Jesus known to people, that we, our lives are available for people, for the hurting people around us. So different ways, if we are practically trying to respond to this, what it means for us as a church, if we're going to practice, and we're saying at the start, if we want to be a 
covenant community together, the practices, generosity and hospitality. Phil looked last week at generosity for practicing hospitality. What it means for us, firstly, even as we gather here on the likes of Sundays, it's so important that we are a welcoming people, right? It's great that we have a welcome team in church, but we need to go above that and recognize that welcome is the responsibility of every single person sitting in every seat in this church at the moment, that we must be a welcoming people. There are so many new people that come into this building, and this is part of what it means to be part of the people of God, that we look out for those that maybe feel outside of things, and we try to bring them into the center. Joy talked earlier about how God places the lonely in families, and the only way this feels like a family is if the family actually be the family. I don't know if that's proper grammar, but if it, if it be, sound like Phil, if it, if it is the family or does family, right, whatever that word is, Julie, you can correct me later, whatever, whatever that might be, right? So if the family would just actually be the family of God and it takes us to welcome. Do you know what? That is why, and I know some of you hate it, but that's why we actually say at the start, would you turn around and welcome someone to church? Because there are some people who come in through the door and it might be the only person that speaks to them. That's why it's, it's much more than, and I know it's much more than just turn around and say hello to your wife or your husband you've already come into church with. It's actually, would you turn around and just welcome someone? Let's welcome and let's start the practices. These things only become part of our, a natural way of our life if we actually start to be disciplined in the practice of doing them. And so that's why we want to say, would we welcome one another? And even when we're out and about, even when it comes to tea and toast later, it's like, let's not just sit with the people that we know, but have our eyes open for the people that need a welcome. We offer hospitality through food during the week. It was great here in the superhero party, but this is what the reason why we do it. We want to be hospitable. This is why when it comes to a moment like this, this is why we call the church to be part of it with us, that we can welcome our community as people come in because this is where we get to be part of the church together. This is why we're going to be running the Alpha course at the end of January, part of what we do in Alpha is that we run the, we, we do a meal, big meal at the start of it, and we invite people to come and just to sit around the table. This is what I was saying earlier. It means that we make our lives available, that we're sharing our lives and doing life with one another. So the question I want to ask is, Alpha is going to be at the end of January. You've got about two months to think and pray about this one. Who will you ask? Who will you ask to come and be, even invite them to a meal, to come and be part of the meal that we'll put on here on the first night? I, to take this a next step further, would you be willing to be part of just sitting around tables and doing life with people in Alpha? Because this is part of our evangelism and how we make God known. We have things like Renew, where we clothe people. We food bank, where we feed people. Life groups, I'm so thankful for the example. I texted this to them during the week because they were looking in life groups this week at creativity and hospitality. I'm thankful for our life group leaders who just are amazing examples of opening their homes and making their, themselves available for people to come to. And this is what we would love for many, many more people to be able to step into. But these are different ways that we can do this as a church together. But importantly for you, when you leave this building and you go through the rest of the week, here's some things that I just would love just to leave. And then we're going to just pray and invite the Holy Spirit to speak. So when, when, we, when we go out from here, two or three different things just to land with us. So again, there's so much in society for us to engage with. Um, again, as we continue the scriptural narrative that we looked at earlier, God's still asking us to engage with the poor, the lonely, the widow, and the orphan. And so I want to ask you, how, how are you doing that? In your neighborhood, in your work, there are some people that might fall into each of these categories. And as part of our responsibility, how we actually respond to them 
Today, it's great that we get to talk about hospitality in a day when we remember Adoption Sunday. Joy's already come up and we've talked about Home for Good and about our response as the church, about how we engage with, with children who are in the care system and children that need families. And Joy's already asked us, you know, and we're so thankful for people, for the people who stood up, for the people who have said a yes to it. Do you know what? Would you be willing, I suppose is the question, would you be willing that your home and your life might be available for, for other people to be blessed? Phil said, I know that if, if one in every three churches, if there was one family in every three churches, the curse system's wiped out. Do you know what? Sometimes what happens is as people step, stand up and we pray for them, what it can mean for some of us is that we think, well, then I don't need to be worried or too burdened about that myself. <laughs> but how do we actually collectively go after this and pray into it? And for some of you, it might mean that you're praying about actually, God, we would love our lives to be available to do this. It might mean in some of your circumstances at the moment that you can't possibly do that, but yet we can offer ourselves to support all these people who have stood up, that we could be there to actually offer ourselves if they need a night off, if they need someone to come and look after kids or different things to be able to do it, that we as a church community could be about this. We definitely pray, but we definitely support and we definitely engage. But the question is, would you be willing that your life could be available in this way? We would welcome people to your home. Again, culture has gone behind a closed door. This is the, the worst thing because of social media. We all engage from behind a computer screen. We talk from behind computer screens. We go behind closed doors. But yet the whole biblical narrative and the point of hospitality is would you open your doors and welcome people in? Would you be willing that your life would be made available in this way? Befriending the lonely or the marginalized. You all know people in your work. You all know people in your school. You all know people in your different spheres of influence each and every day. People who are lonely or isolated. Would you go out of your way? Would you make your life available in this way? All of your life available that we would allow people to experience the love of God in this way? Would we be a people that would simply listen to people's stories? That we would give time to listen to people in terms of what they are saying? Would you make your life available? Because this is what it means to practice hospitality. Would you give people time? And this is the reason why we know this, and this is what Romans 8 actually tells us, that creation is groaning. There are groans that are coming from creation. We see it on a massive scale that's happening in society, but on an individual level, people that you engage with and people that you rub shoulders with each and every day, there are certain burdens that they're carrying, that there are groans that are coming from their heart. There are groans that are coming from their lives, and what they ne might never have is someone to actually sit and listen to them to hear what is actually happening. And yet, you're with them. Would your life be made available? Would you make your life available to be able to listen to what people are saying? Because here's the thing. Let me, let me just skip past this. We started with this verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. But this is, this is the most amazing responsibility and privilege for us to understand. God still loves the world so much. And initially, while God so loved the world that he gave his son, God still loves the world so much that he gives the world his sons and his daughters. And for the people who are in need and the people who are feeling vulnerable and the people who are feeling hurt and broken, what God actually releases to them is his sons and his daughters. And so this is where it's a mindset shift. People that you work with are blessed to work with you because you're a son and a daughter of the king. People that you go to school with are blessed to go to school with you because they go to school with a son and a daughter of the king. 
people that you do life with in your family life are blessed to do life with you because they're doing life with the son and the daughter of the king. People who know what it is to have experienced the love of God. And what actually happens is, as we listen to the groan of creation, Marty, maybe even the guys would come here, as we listen to the groans of creation and what's going on, we have hope to speak into it. We have life to speak into it. We have, we have the voice of God and the truth of God to be able to speak into it. But this is part of how we demonstrate the love of God. For God so loved the world that he continues to give his sons and his daughters. And the question I just simply want to ask, and this is the phrase that I'm saying repeatedly, thanks, William, the phrase that I've been saying repeatedly is, would you be willing that your life would be made available? Not just about, and listen, this is a massive part of it, not just about having people into your home. It's huge to do that. Please, please be a people that would welcome people into your home, but much more than that, would your whole life be made available? Day and daily, as you look out and you see the different things, would you be willing to respond? And what I would love us to do, just as we finish this, the guys are, are going to lead us just some worship at the end, and Phil's going, to, Phil's going to just round it up. But I would just love us just to leave some space just for one minute here for the Spirit to speak. And I would love you to just close your eyes, please, if you could. So we, we've shown the biblical narrative how God wants to engage. He wants to engage the, the vulnerable, the hurting, the lonely, the broken. And I, I would love you to allow the Holy Spirit just to, to pinpoint one person to you at the moment. So let's, let's bring this down and make this doable for us. I would love you to think of one person in your life who fits in that category. Someone, it might be someone in work, maybe someone in your family, maybe someone that you meet on a daily basis, but someone that you know and you recognize is vulnerable, is hurting, is lonely is in need. I want you to allow the Holy Spirit just to bring their face before you right now. And for 30 seconds, what I would love you to do if you're here with your partner, specifically with them, but I would love you to turn with someone beside you and just tell them the name of the person that you're thinking of. Tell them about the person that you're thinking of at the moment. So you do that now, just turn and just share with the person that you're thinking about at the moment. It might be, for some of you, it might be the exact same person that you're hearing couples. <laughs> The reason why I'm asking you to do that, I, uh, I, I remember, I remember this time last year. I, it was one of the prayer meetings. It was over in Portadown, and I, and I shared with one of the guys. They were just got talking about someone that I was thinking about, and it was one of these ones that it was kind of like just one of those general conversations. And I remember the next month, um, this person asked me and said, "Well, how are you getting on with such and such a person?" And it was one of those moments for me. It was like, I have accountability in this. <laughs> And what I would love is actually in the names that you've shared is would you be willing to just ask one another how, how is the person? Not in a way to actually check in to condemn one another if you haven't done anything. 
but could we pray for that person? Could we check in with that person? Is there anything we could do for that person? And the thing that I would just love to say at the end, and with this I just finish and pray again, is this. God is not looking for your perfection. God's just looking for your availability. Would you be willing to make your life available? As God so loved the world that he gave us his son, could we be the sons and the daughters that he gives in response to the need around us? And so I would love us to stand if we could, just as we worship, let me just pray for us. Next week, Phil is going to be going in over the next couple of weeks specifically into this as we look at compassion and justice, looking at the needs in the world around us and about how we respond as the church. But this is at an individual level. How is God using you in individuals' lives? And so, Father, here we are. We say thank you for your love for us. Jesus, we are wholly available to you. We just pray, would you use us? Holy Spirit, speak to us and lead us. Use us this week. And God, for the names that you've given us, for the faces that you've dropped before us, we just say, God, we want our lives to count. We want to be made available for you. God, your kingdom come. Your will be done here on earth through our lives as it is in heaven, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship. Thanks, We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.